Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Today, I am very excited to have the privilege of talking with Jessica. Hello, Jessica. Hi, Carly. So, Jessica, a little background. We were matched by the universe Mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. One of our mutual friends found my writing and they knew your writing and they said that we are like soul sisters and we became each other's cheerleaders along the way. You were further along the way than I was and we both wrote for HuffPost before HuffPost sold out. No offense, HuffPost. And (laughs) and, um, open heart, open vulnerability, like raw credit from our blood. Um, this is the first time we get to speak in, in person virtually. I want to read some words that you wrote that I stole from you. I am a work in progress. I have started the next chapter, but the book is not yet finished being written. I am a sketch, not a masterpiece. I am still me at my core though. That me, she knows only one truth in this journey. The only way over is through. The only way over is through. The only way to get there is to do it. Some days that just means getting up and putting one foot in front of the other. And other days it means discovering humor, passion, and strength we might have believed we no longer had. Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much, Carly. How does it Those are words I haven't thought about in a long time. I love that. That was, that was a good reminder. Thank you. I so might have needed that to speak. I know. So what's so cool about that is another reason why we're supposed to be together is your line is the only way over is through and mine is the only way out is through. And we're like one word apart because we both recognize that you cannot walk through this shit show of life without dealing with all of the scary darkness in the hallways, pulling it out, saying this doesn't fit me anymore. You're never going to fit into these pants anymore. (laughs) Let's get rid of them, right? So um, I'm excited to have you on here because I truly believe that what one of our jobs here on this planet is to give each other permission. And I think that you do a really great job of that in all the aspects you let us see of you on social media, at least. And so, um, and you're not one of those social media posters that only post perfect things, which is so appreciative. Far from. (laughs) Will you tell me, we're going to go back in time. Beep, beep. Um, Tell me about your first marriage. What you can see looking back now was not working. You know, it's funny. Um, are we, we're, I assume we can be super transparent, right? This so, is explicit, swearing, vulnerable, uh, transparent. Right. Yeah. So um, when my, uh, I met my ex-husband in college um, and we were, you know, like all college kids, those people who like, you know, hooked up with each other on and off, et cetera, while also hooking up with other people, all that. Um, and at the time I really 
felt more invested um, than he was. And I was encouraged by a lot of my friends to kind of get off that bandwagon. You're only going to get hurt kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, I hate to say it, but like a lot of men or people, the minute I actually was dating somebody else, that's, you know, of course, when all of a sudden, you know, uh, etc. So um, I give you that background to say that I think that one of the things that I was always told by my parents was that no relationship is ever 50-50, right? Mm -hmm. And so at the time, I convinced myself, I think that it was okay that I was more invested initially, um, because, you know, then he was kind of making an, an equal investment. Um, but I also think that when you're young, and you really want to pursue something and it suddenly becomes available, you are able to overlook so many things that should be red flags and you're young, right? I mean, you, you really, you, you don't know all of you. Um, and you, you know, don't know I mean, what you don't know, right? You don't know what you're supposed to know. A hundred percent. And I had inklings even then that I was not a, um, a straight woman, but, um, and a, a lot of them, but you know, we, we grew up in a, in a hard time because we weren't so suppressed like you would have been maybe in the seventies or eighties, but we weren't like our kids now. Do you know what I'm saying? We weren't able to live in our truth, um, without right. having to think it was going to change our whole universe. And I remember my first crush, I was in high school and it was on a teacher that I had. And I remember thinking, well, you know, not only can I not confess that to a friend, um, but like that, that's like borderline illegal. Um, and so like, I shouldn't be having these thoughts. Um, and so again, all of that I think played in, but I think with, with my husband and I, um, or my ex-husband, I should say, um, I think, you know, I knew very early on that a friend said to me once, for you, the sun rises and sets with him. And I'm not sure he, he feels that way. And it should have, it should have been a sign, but I, I made the cardinal, um, mistake, the one none of us should break, which was I moved my whole being, left my family, my friends, my job to be where he was. And so once I did that, I kind of felt like I was stuck. Mm -hmm. And so all the red flags, every time they came up, I just was like, but I'm here. What but were some of the red flags? flags? What were some? Um, well, I'll give you a perfect example. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. I once asked him, because this to me, I know it's going to sound simple, but it is the epitome of the downfall of our relationship. I once said, how come you never buy me flowers? And mm. he said, I'm not really a flower guy. And I was like, but I'm a flower girl. Oh. Right? So like, does that help? Because I'm not, I could get into the like nitty gritty of the issues, but I think that actually, I've always thought that's like a great summary um, of, of actually all of our issues, which was if you don't eat, like if it's about you and it's all about you and that's not how you think, then how I feel and what I need are never going to be a, a factor. Um, and then, you know, we had kids and, you know, there were a million red flags before we got married, trust me, and I ignored all of them. Um, but then we had kids and then you're kind of in and you think, oh, well, the kids and you can't, you know, you, I mean, you're so, you, you wind up in this like oddly, I mean, I'm an uber feminist and an uber liberal, and somehow you become this like traditional person who's like, well, you can't fuck this shit up because, you know, it'll hurt the kids. Um, and I do remember another, like another one of those was like taking my daughter to the grocery store and having her say, how can we only get green apples when you go to the grocery store? And I said, because daddy can never remember that mommy only likes green apples. That right there kills me. And so that's like, like my sweetheart story the sweethearts that were 88 cents that ended my marriage like there were so many things and I was at like CVS or Rite Aid and I saw the sweethearts were 88 cents I got them from my husband because I knew he loved them and I brought them home I remember putting them down and being like 
you would never get me what you know I love, even if it's 88 cents. Yeah, and you know what? Do you want to know what an idiot I am? To this day, to this day, I still buy him random silly gifts. I saw, and this is going to be such a funny one, but if anyone who, uh, who listens is a fan of Trader Joe's, they have the, um, you know, the everything but the bagels. Yes, fabulous. And when we were married, so look, obviously I'm a New Yorker, big bagel girl, whatever, yeah. and, you know, he, you know, so when, when he first got introduced to real bagels and he was like, you know, he would take the seeds out of the bag and he'd like pour them on top of his cream cheese. And so when I saw that and it was a brand new, I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, he would, so I bought him one and I dropped it off and he's, his girlfriend, who's his, his living girlfriend, um, but at the time I don't think lived there, must have somehow found out that I had bought it. And we have no issues, but was sort of like, wow, that's so nice. And like, <laughs> like she said it as if like, a, you know, you couldn't just be like a human to somebody else. Right. Um, but anyway, yes, I agree with you. So no, I, mean, but I, I think that's any nice. red flag. The list yes. is so, so, so long. Um, I mean, a really, um, you know, just want so many, so many different things, see the world differently. Um, I think I also, you know, like I had this old school idea that like he was from the Midwest and Midwestern boys were so much nicer. And that was somewhat true. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't that bro factor that I yeah. think a lot guys I'd grown up with had. Um, I hate using that word, but that's the one my kids use. Um, <laughs> and so I think I, I believe that that meant that he was kind in his core. And I'm not here to speak badly of him. He's not a bad person. He was just not the right husband for me. Yeah. Um, for, you know, for me, 14 years, but we had been together for 20 years. I didn't wow. know myself without him. We had gotten together. I was not even 21 years old. Like I could, wasn't even, couldn't drink legally. Not that we didn't do it anyway, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, so like you, you, that's the other piece is that somehow it just becomes like by road, which I'm sure, you know, you know, and you, you stop remembering that like what you need actually matters. And I remember at some point at the very end, he did not want to get divorced. He comes from a family of divorce and he saw divorce as, as, as you know, he once said to me, I'd rather have a C marriage, C as in the grade yeah. and get divorced. And I was like, I, no, I can't live. Like what? Like who, who says that? Who verbalizes that right. we have a marriage and you want to do it for the rest of your life? What? Yes. Um, yes. Remember, that's how people feel. I that know. That's how people feel. I remember thinking to myself or saying to him once, and this was, I think the crux of it. It's one thing for me to come second after the kids. I expect that. It's another thing for me to come third after you. Mm. You're first, the kids are second, and I'm third. And mm. I can't spend, I can't be third for the rest of my life. I yeah. just can't. Um, I was and I'm fourth. Not, oh, what, was there a dog? Like, no, I was, <laughs> this is the order. Um, work. Oh, okay. okay his fair. family, kids, then me. Oh, wow. That's low. That's pretty low on the totem pole. Yeah, it felt low. So, and you know from my story that there weren't bruises. There wasn't infidelity. It was just oh, mm -hmm. extreme yep. loneliness and neglect. But I think that's one of the things we do to ourselves is that we convince ourselves there has to be those things. Yes. Someone has to cheat. Somebody has to yes. lie. Somebody has to, has to spend all your money at a casino yes. or um, so have a secret reason. family. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there has but to who's be. Who's the reason a... for? Well, and at some point my mom said to me once, would you want your marriage for your children? Oh, that's the best question. Say it again. Would you want your marriage for your children? That is what pushed me over the edge. I pictured my son, Graham, as if he was in his 30s, coming to me, crying, mm -hmm. saying, Mom, I did all of this work 
and this is still what's happening. And me having mm -hmm. to say, son, I stayed with your father for our C marriage and you're going to stay with yours. Yep. And that would kill me. Would yeah. you want your marriage for your children? So tell me when you started telling him how you were feeling and he didn't want, he wanted to see marriage. What happened? What did you do to finally get to the divorce? It's funny that you ask it that way because I'm pretty sure that I told him how I, I'm not shy. So I told him how right. I felt. I'm pretty sure from the minute that I moved here and it became clear to me that even though I had said, which I hate the idea that I gave an ultimatum, but essentially you're asking me to pick up my whole life. So I anticipate we'll get engaged. And then it took a 13 months for him to pull the trigger, which really should have been another red flag. And yeah. it was, but it wasn't enough. You know what I'm saying? Because right. eventually he did do it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I always express my feelings and it was just a matter of getting to the point where it was the opposite. I think, you know, like you're asking when, at what point did he not care about those feelings? I got to the point where I realized I was no longer telling him how unhappy I was. I had spent so much time telling him and realizing it didn't matter. It didn't change anything. Um, it didn't, it didn't get us anywhere that my breaking point was more when I got to the place where I realized I'm no longer sharing how I feel. Yeah, I'm no yeah. longer complaining. You gave up your voice. I, all of it. And we went to, hear it. we went to three different yeah, couples counselors. Three. Six years. I, 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 I'm like, literally, I, at some point I was like, I'm a marriage counseling failure. And yes. I'm that that's, that's kind of, because the thing is he'd show up, but he wouldn't do the work. Right. Mm -hmm. So he could say he was there. He could say he was trying, um, but he wasn't really willing to put the effort in. Um, and, you know, unless it came to having more sex or, you know, like the things that were tangible that he could maybe do, he, yeah. would, he would try. But like the actual like listening and, and processing before you respond and trying to understand someone else's side. Um, yeah, he just wasn't he wasn't willing to do the work. And like I said, not a bad person, um, just the wrong. Like I, at some point I got to the place where I was like, we're just a square peg and a round hole. And those two things are never, ever going to fit. And there's nothing that I can do to change them. And, you know, like, I'll never forget if You know, in hindsight, when I came out, there were people who were like, oh, is that why you got divorced? And I was like, no. It has nothing but, to do with it. But you want to know something funny? When I came out and I told him, that's his it. reaction was, don't ever let people think that's why we got divorced. I'm so and I proud said, of him. Wait, hold on. And no, 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 oh. not the way you think it. And I said, what do you mean? And he was like, well, I had no idea about that, that about you. And so I don't want people to think that I did. I was like, wait, so let me make sure I understand. You'd rather people think we got divorced because you're an asshole than because I came out. And he was like, I, I guess if you have to put it that way. Wait, like, so Jessica, I was like, here's me. I'm like, oh my God, he's so awesome. Yeah, like, so he got, he's like telling you, yeah. never let someone make this what it's about because you know it's about so much more. And he's saying, yep. I basically don't want the universe to think I turned you gay. Pretty much, yep. You right. should have seen my face. I should have seen my face. Because I remember just freezing in the moment and being like, oh, for the love of all things. Right, because your dick is so powerful that it turned me gay. Well, but also like you're a victim again. And I had said to him very clearly, like, I want to be very clear. Like, 
you know, I, I hate the word bisexual, but that's how I identify. This is not about me saying like, oh, I was always wrong to be with men. No, not at all. I love men and I'm attracted to men, whatever. But like, this is me saying like, I've really left this other side of me unexplored. And I feel like it's probably what the rest of my life looks like because I've kind of done this. And I've yeah. realized that while I can love men and be attracted to men, I don't know that that's really like the place I'm supposed to live in, the space I'm supposed to live in forever. And now that I have moved into this other space of having a relationship with women, I realize like this is what resonates in my soul. Um, and, but I said, but I really want to be very clear that like, I don't like that, that word, like there's nothing wrong with bisexual. Lots of people identify that way. It's just not a word that like resonates with me so much. And I think it's probably because I came out when I was 40. Um, and again, but, but with that said, it's still the word he uses, despite having told him that day, five years later, it's still the word he uses when he refers to it. Wow. So he tell me how old were your children when you guys um, told them that you were going to get the worst day ever, right? So, right. okay. So we, it was so, so, so terrible. So we, we did, we were away. We were on vacation in my parents' house in Florida and we were sleeping in the same bed and, um, we got in a fight. It's the dumbest fight you've ever heard, but you'll understand. And it was my breaking point. I remember it like it was yesterday. For some reason, he had this big issue with me calling people, and I'll never understand why, because this was not a gender thing. Like people like, thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Like, you know, like whatever, like having that. And um, this gentleman, we were in Florida, and this gentleman held this older gentleman. The man had to have been in his 80s. Um, he held the door for me on the way into a pizza place. And I said, thank you, sir. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I had this moment of, oh my goodness, he's going to give me a hard time for having said that. I still don't really actually understand what his issue was. But anyway, um, and I turned around and I could see that like tension. And I thought, no, no. I never want to do this again. I never want to be just a polite human being who doesn't think about just be doing the right and polite thing and being judged by my person, my, my partner, partner, my, my the husband. The person who's got my back. Right. For, for something that he still hasn't been able to explain to me the why it bothers him. Um, and so I remember, I it, it, literally, I kid you not, Carly, I remember like turning around, seeing his face. We went back. We brought the pizza home. Everybody ate. Excuse me, we went to bed and I said, I want a divorce. And he was like, what? And we had talked about it a hundred times. It wasn't like yeah. this was a new topic. And I was like, I'm done. And he was like, but why right now? And I told him and he was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, you want to get divorced because I don't like that you called that guy, sir. And I was like, no, I want to get divorced because you absolutely do not know me and we have been married for 14 years and we have two children and all the and he doesn't boxes, know that you like green and apples you, and you don't know that i like green apples and i'm a flower girl and it's okay to call an 80 year old man or to say to an 80 year old man thank you sir and and have that be perfectly reasonable and so um yeah so i'm done so that was january or that was De the december it was like right before so you know over the moment, holidays you are actually in that moment you are Finally, because you said you stopped yep. talking about how you yep. felt. It took me three, th at least three years from the first time I thought I'd rather be divorced than be in this marriage. Three years, three full years to the moment that I actually in that, on that day said, yeah, I'm done. I'm so, so can done. Can I tell you something real quick in between this? So one of the other things I do besides coaching clients through their divorce is I actually do this session called figuring it out. 
uh -huh. couple who are like, you know, because you know, like when you're a divorced person, people come to you and they're like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, and so many. I became like the the book of uh, the you know the Jewish book of why I came and yeah. became the, 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 the book of divorce. Carly. Send them to Carly. So what I do, they always say, do you know a good marriage counselor? And I'm like, mm, not really. Um. So I, I literally do. I know like two that are great, but the rest of them were like. Bleh. And so I say like, look, here's the deal. I do this session called figuring it out. It's super uncomfortable. It's an hour. We're going to sit there and talk about the most uncomfortable questions. It's not going to be about feelings. It's going right. to be lay that shit on the table. The most uncomfortable question I ask them after the second most uncomfortable question in front of them, which is, are you still in love with each other? And one of them says something different. I say to them, if you had no children, would you feel differently about this decision? Oh, yeah. And they're like, one of them immediately answers, absolutely. And one of them looks at the other person like, how could you just say that? Mm -hmm. But you know, right? It oh, would have yeah. been, you would have been done three years before that or 10 years before that. Ten. Right? And I remember saying mm -hmm. that to my then husband because he just wasn't getting it no matter how much we, like nothing I said penetrated. And when I said that, it was like, I was in the Truman Show and I showed him that there was like a producer behind there. Like he was like, what? <laughs> like I can't even believe that you were saying these things. And I'm like, I can't believe you think I'd want to stay with someone who doesn't know that I like green apples and gets so mad when I say thank you, sir, to a gentleman who's opening the door for us. Like, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So you tell the girls, how old are they? 10 and 7. Um, and which, what blows my mind to this day, Carly, is I'm a crier. It's who I am, my nature. My ex-husband, I have seen, including the time, the, this particular day, seen cry two other times in the he whole cried, time we've been together. It. When he, I say he cried, he bawled so hard that the kids became like, we had agreed we were going to be calm, rational, explain, and then listen to them. He cried so hard, which I don't fault him for. It's fine. Yeah. But, like, th they felt they had to take care of him. So, like, we're on an L-shaped couch. I'm sitting by myself in a corner. And they're, like, in his lap, stroking his face. Like, it's okay, Daddy. It's okay, like, Daddy. Because they had do to you? Wait, they'd never seen him cry in their whole lives. Ten and seven. So, like, they literally were like, um, what's happening? Like, it was, it was, yeah. So, they were ten and seven, which is a hard time. Because they, you know, they remember. Like, a lot of my friends who've gotten divorce when their kids are five and under. I think, you know, my, my understanding is that eventually the kids have almost no memory of their parents really have having, having ever been together. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and my, my younger one, she a hundred percent remembers, but her memories are a little bit more vague because she's 13 or she's 14. Right. So, so we, so we, we were married half her life and not married half her life. My older one, a hundred percent, like could, can, you know, recollect with detail, um, you know, cause she was 10 going on 11. So tell me how the actual divorce was. Did you guys do well during that? What are some mistakes that you made <laughs> listeners can hear and go, oh, I should not do that? You know, it's a good question because I, I do believe, oh, are you there? I can, I can hear you. Yeah, go keep going. Okay, sorry. Um, so I believe that um, I set out to have the kind of divorce that you are talking about. That you was always- start, yeah. Yep, that was always my goal. That kind of really focused on the kids. Um, you know that that the idea of of the North Star not just being what's good for your kids, but like always what's good for you secondarily. Yes. You know, so like with with a couple of of streams in there that allow you to know, okay, but a healthy mommy is a healthy kid. So yes. ninety percent of this needs to be focused on the kids, but in this in this in the few areas where 
you know, it has to either be this is good for mommy or this is good for daddy. You know, you have to remember that, like I said, healthy mommy equals healthy kids. Yeah. Um, and so um, we did it in, when I look back, if you were to ask anyone who was on the outside, they would say, oh, you guys had such a nice divorce. Like, but you know, I mean, it, it, so yeah, we didn't have an ugly blowout, you know, filing charge, none of those things. We started with a mediator, which I highly recommend. First of all, it reduces cost. Oh. Um, and second of all, it really allows you to kind of lay all the cards on the table and have a realistic perspective. The other thing is like, you know, I think it's different if you come from millions of dollars right. or you have, you know, some of those factors. But if you are like the average middle-class family, I think it can save you a lot of money and it keeps you out of court. So we started there. Um, I will say, I think we made a bad choice on who we chose for that. Mm -hmm. um, we chose somebody who I think um, was really a misogynist. And so mm. uh, there were a couple things I think I was convinced I needed to do that I think it had we had someone who was a little bit more, um, uh, I'm trying to think, liberal or more open-minded maybe, there wouldn't have been this idea that like, of course, the dad and the sort of bigger breadwinner should have X. <clears throat> but not here nor there, it is what it is. Um, and then the the responsible thing to do, I guess, in that situation is then when the papers are final to eat for each of you to get your own, your own lawyer. Um, if I had to do it over again, I think mediation is amazing. I would have gotten my lawyer earlier, so not just when the paperwork was essentially final, because then we spent a lot of money where she was essentially like, mm, there's a bunch of things in here I don't like. So, she was like helping you rewrite what you just settled on. Exactly. So, yeah. um, so that, was, that was the first thing that I would do differently. Again, I would definitely still do mediation to sort of figure it all out, but then make sure you have someone who's advocating for you and who understands the law. Because the other thing is, you know, you and I are in different states, and the laws for divorce are one of those very nuanced things that are very different by state, right? So, you know, California, everything is a 50-50, you know, split. Um, you know, Ohio has, I mean, everyone has different rules. Yeah. Illinois just imposed, you know, some new rules on alimony based on the length of your marriage. So, yeah. um, so that was another thing that I think I would do differently, bring in my own counsel early on. Um, and then I will say that my counsel was a woman. And as a woman, I would say, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with a male attorney whatsoever, but there are some things sort of like a female OBGYN yeah. that I felt really strongly about that I'm glad that I did have, um, you know, a female lawyer in the end. Interestingly, my ex also had a female lawyer. So, you know, there was that. Um, the other thing that I think I would do differently, though, I do look back and, and I am glad um, for the most part, is that but this is earlier on, is that um, if you're still married and for any reason you receive an inheritance and yeah. you have any questions oh. about your marriage, please, please, please do not put that into communal, uh, in, a, in a communal account or you lose all, yes. all access to anything more than 50% of it. So that would be the other thing is that if I had oh. to do it over again, and that's not in the divorce, but it was only a few years prior and I had a feeling I shouldn't do it, but then that feeling felt terrible. Um, so I think the other thing is to say, especially when it comes to money, women, especially if you make less than your spouse and you're in a traditional, um, you know, uh, opposite sex relationship, I would highly recommend that there's nothing wrong with a prenup, number one. And number two, there's nothing wrong with that little tiny voice inside your head that says, maybe, maybe, maybe I should not take this thing that is just in my name. So let's, can we address this for a second? Because... This yes. is so important that you're bringing this up and so uncomfortable, but hello, we're old enough and mature enough to talk about this. Okay. Absolutely. I remember sitting in my divorce attorney's office with my mother who wanted to come and support me 
And I remember the attorney looking at my mom and going, how could you give them the property in both of their names? Yep. My mom was like, what were they supposed to do? And the lawyer yep. like, you give it just to your daughter. And my mom's like, we didn't know that, right? We're, they come from a good marriage. And no one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were like the first divorce and right. So after that, everything started shifting and how I started looking at things. And then I started realizing after going through our messy legal part of it was everything needs to be honest about this kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. 50% of marriages end in divorce. Nobody yep. wants to look at that. Okay. None of us do. I got remarried. You're getting remarried. Um, I did not do a prenup. I'm doing a postnup currently. We just finished all of it because here's the deal. Money is shitty and uncomfortable yep. and, and nobody wants to talk about it. And uh-huh. it's better to talk about it when no one's fighting and when yep. everyone still likes each other. And you're just saying, look, no one wants to die, but we still have life insurance, right? Yep. Nobody wants to crash a car, but we still pay for car insurance. This is just so we don't have to deal with yucky financial stuff down the road. Yes. Right. And I also, I also think it has to do with your kids. So as an example, we have, we have very, very different approaches to how to pay for college. Mm. And the problem is in the state of Ohio, in your divorce, you do not, you're not required to speculate how that'll get paid. Other states do allow you to talk about finances post 18 on children, but Ohio does not. So, you know, on good counsel, obviously, his lawyer basically was like, I don't want that in the divorce. I wanted it in the divorce. So I was able to negotiate at least some payments into a 529, but they're minimal and blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, I think that is the kind of thing that like, it's not just about money as in terms of this is mine and this is yours, but it's about how you theoretically and, and you know, approach life. And he and I just feel extraordinarily different about how money goes to our children. Yes. I essentially feel like my children should have everything. Yes. When I say everything, I don't mean everything they, you know, like expensive gifts and things, but I'm saying my daughter is, my older daughter is extremely hardworking and she works her butt off. And if that means that she can get into a school that is twice the price of a lesser school, I will remortgage my house to get her there. He has a set amount of money. This is what I'm spending on college, not a penny more. And if she wants to go somewhere, then, you know, and he's entitled to feel that way. Like, I I don't agree with it, but I'm also not saying it's not a theory. I'm just saying those are the things that if you don't figure them out before they become an issue, this is exactly where these things go. And, you know, I'm glad to hear you're doing a post-nup, but like my fiance and I, like we were, there was not even a question. We were like cleaning up a hundred percent. Now she was never married because gay marriage was not legal, but she was with the same person for a very long time, almost two decades. And even in that situation, since they had adopted a child together, things become very complicated. And the way I want people to think about it is don't think about the money, prenups, any of those things. Don't think about those things in terms of, oh, it's a terrible thing to ask. Think about your kids. That's it. Yes. If you have kids, yes. that's all you need to think about. That's yes. all. Because the minute you get divorced, you no longer have any influence about how the other person approaches money when it comes to your kids. And you cannot influence what they want to pay for, what they want to do, or how they want right. to you know, view the world. And so that is where these things come in. Um, and if I had to do it all over again, I would have done, but like, you know, I got married, I was 25. Like in my mind, of course we were going to be together forever, you know, but right. again, hindsight's 2020. Um, but I did want to add one thing. So the thing I am most proud of about my divorce, Carly, is that the day we signed the papers, so again, mediator, lawyers, 
Not a ton of fighting, quite honestly. Certain things were pretty clear, pretty cut and dry. Um, some things sucked. Big, hairy rhino balls, yeah. because, like I said. <laughs> um, in, big, hairy rhino balls. Yeah. yeah. Inheritance and things like that, that, yeah. you know, um, had to be split. Just things that felt very unfair, yeah. um, you know, to me. Money I'd invested in his practice that I wasn't, you know. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I can still relate to what you're saying about things feeling very unfair. Do you think that our exes feel that way too? Oh, every single time he made an alimony payment for five years. In fact, to the point where there were things that I would say, I think you need to pay for this for the kids. And he'd say, um, you're getting every penny you're getting from me right now. When I'm done paying alimony, we can talk about a more even distribution of the money that goes to the children. So like somehow the fact that I was getting alimony. Um, Which you were entitled I, to. Wait, wait, hold on. I paid off his loans. Yeah. When we, when we got married. So we would have no debt. I supported us completely for four years of dental school. He didn't make a penny. I worked the whole time. I got an inheritance and invested a large portion of it in the down payment of his practice and another portion in the house, which he got an even distribution on. I was a moron. Trust me. An absolute no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> But so my point is, yes, of course they feel like it's unfair because in his mind, the idea that I had, because to be, to, to, this is what really rubs the wrong way. Go ahead. Because why? I went back to work after a year after we got to, I'd always worked, but like I, I worked for myself and I didn't make as much. I went back to a full-time position after we got divorced. And so then in his mind, that should have lessened the alimony, but yes. he'd have to go to court to make it. Was just, it was, it was, you know, it's just stupid, but yes, he definitely felt like, and he would still tell you this, that he felt like he, he got the raw end of the deal. He had to pay me too much money, but I want to go to something positive because I feel like this has gone down a, a negative path. Um, and this goes back to your North Star, you know, point, which is that, um, you know, again, mediator, divorce attorneys, you know, again, lots of discussion, but not any horrendous, horrendous fighting. Um, and we did get the whole thing wrapped up in 11 months, which I've heard is a pretty decent, you know, it amount is. of time. And I said to him, listen, this sucks. And neither one of us wanted to be here. And it's going to be a hard day. We paid extra to sit in the judge's chambers to sign our papers instead of having to go to court or anything like that. Uh, I'm sorry, in our lawyer's office, instead of going to the judge's chambers mm -hmm. is what I mean. And I said, I'd really like for us to sign the papers and then go out to lunch together. And we did. That we went out to really, lunch. That is yeah. really beautiful. We went out to lunch. We had a Bloody Mary um, <laughs> and some, I don't even know, we had like some kind of sort of Mexican food, I think, um, and a drink together. And then we had a big hug and we went on our separate ways. And I really felt that that I had, and he was really a little hesitant. He was, he was, he said yes, but I could tell he was a little like, why do you want to do this? Like, are you sure? Are you sure? And, um, and then actually he did say to me afterwards, like a while afterwards, but you know, that was, that was a good idea. Like that was when, now when I look back, like that's one of the pieces of that now, experience. Your idea that was better about. than mine. I totally blocked this out. I think because of pain, but what we did. Oh no. Tell me the lunch was, no, we did not have sex. Thank God. Um, we have you ever read the percentage of people who have sex right after they get oh, to work? Can I just tell you, bleh. Um, what saying. we did was I said, let's drive together to the court so we don't have to both pay for the garage. And that not, was very, like very really, unpleasant. Yeah. That was <laughs> not the best idea. Here's what I want to ask you before we get to yes. the really good stuff. Tell me some of your co-parenting wins. Um, okay, so um, we are on the same page about things like the kids getting bat mitzvah. 
Um, mm -hmm. We didn't agree on how to pay for it, but right. we definitely agreed that um, the kids were too young to make that decision for themselves and that we insist they could take their Judaism however they wanted after 13, but they were going to Hebrew school and they were getting bat mitzvah, and we were very adamant about that um, together. We are both very focused on um, their education and um, very involved, um, you know, in, in their schoolwork and, and, and all of that and have a very similar approach. Mine is probably, I'm more strict um, and, more, and, and more involved, but um, we have a very similar approach to school is essentially like the most important thing you do. You need to have a, you know, a well-balanced life, but you know, this is, this is your number one um, priority. Um, what other wins? Oh, um, we do all the holidays together. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I, I should say all the Jewish holidays together. Right. We don't do um, Thanksgiving, etc. So tell but, me, um, what does that look like? You have break the fast I, together? I invite, well, so keep in mind, my family's in New York, right? Yeah. So my, his family here is my family. Do you know okay. what I mean? And um, so, yeah, every year, um, either I invite everybody. So Norm, he doesn't love to host. He has once or twice, but his mom or his sister, we all live in the same community. Um, so, like, let's pretend if we were all in, like, Shaker, although Bexley's smaller than Shaker. Yeah, I know Bexley's um, the same thing, yeah. Right, okay. So um, normally I host and I invite everyone whole family. He's got four parents, his girlfriend, his brother, his brother's girlfriend, um, his sister, his sister's husband, and her, you know, Did four anyone kids. anyone in um, his family dis divorce you? No. You're lucky. Nobody yeah. did. And I'll tell you what, his sister, um, who I've always been closer to than he was, is still one of my very best friends. And, um, you know, I wish I saw more of my nephews than I do. That has been, COVID's made that harder. I saw yeah. more of them before that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a parenting win, honestly. So we show up at, um, we, we show up at games together. Um, we show up at performances together. That, we you together. guys, I, I am very, because you know, my one of my two biggest rules, number two, which most people like walk out the door, like I'm telling them to give up gluten, is you have to sit at all events near each other. Yes. So your kids oh, can we, 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 I buy the tickets together. I mean, honestly, I, my I kids were so big impressed. into theater. And so we bought the theater tickets together. Now they're both doing sports. And unfortunately in COVID, you, you know, limited, limited uh, parent, you know, um, yes. allowed to kind of sit in the audience. But um, what's that called? Why can I think of like limited fans? Um, but uh, yeah, we always, we always do those things. So all, all holidays, all Jewish holidays. Um, so what Passover, Yom Kippur, you know. Do you Rosh do Halloween Hanukkah. together when you were little? Yes, always. Um, and we would just flip who was, you know, whose house. See, we I actually start. tell clients that they should put that in their shared parenting plan, that they should Agreed. write in the plan because like you know that. when other point. people, right, when yeah. partners come in mm -hmm. and then they're like, I don't want you having dinner with mm -hmm. her or whatever you want to get rid of that immediately yep. I, um, I want to switch course first of all i'm so impressed with you i want to switch course and read something that and i want you to tell me about it okay wrote part of the process of divorce at 40 after 14 plus years of marriage is reinvention it's impossible to go back to who we were at 25 and it's impossible to move forward without significant change tell me about how you refer to yourself as 2.0 Oh, wow. I am 2.0 in all the ways. Like you said, I lost my voice um, and it took a while to regain my voice. Finding that voice allowed me to realize that that voice needed to go into a different direction as I sought new partners. Um, but also, I think I got to a place where I realized like my ex used to I embarrassed him easily, right? I'm an East Coaster. I'm same. loud. I'm, I'm all those things. Loud. Which is interesting because his mother is the same way. So it's yeah. not like he wasn't, it's not like he came from a house of quiet people. I mean, yeah. they're all loud. But, and so he would be the kind of person who would like grab my arm or yes. kick, me, kick me under the table. Under the table. 
Yep. I mean, never like in an abusive way, but more in like a, okay, enough, quiet. quiet or, yeah. and then, you know, use the word shut up, which I, I can't handle. Um, or can you be quiet? You know, whatever it would be. Um, and so I found that I started questioning. I can hear you. Keep going. Yep. Can you hear me? Yep. Keep going. You found you started um, questioning. I found I was questioning myself, but more than that, I was questioning, um, it wasn't just my voice, but I was questioning my, um, my like ability to be like all of the parts. You know what I'm saying? Like I had started limiting, like, okay, it's okay to be this, but I can't be this. Right. You know? So you're questioning all the parts of yourself. Are you editing yourself? A hundred percent. And I'm also being like a tenth of me, a quarter of me, three tenths of me, nine eighths of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, not, I can't be nine eighths, yeah, seven eighths of me. Um, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, yeah, I think that was one of the biggest things in the 2.0 was to say, no, you know what? Like, we're all imperfect. And sometimes yeah. we suck in different ways, but like yeah. all of you is okay. And when, when you finally embrace that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a good thing. The other thing is, you know, no idea if this is something you buy into, but I recognized at some point during my divorce that anxiety was getting the best of me, um, put myself on some meds, helped tremendously. Um, and oh my made, God. Me, a better, I would be made me a better parent. I mean, like, I found that, like, I don't, like, listen, I'm a loud person, but I don't yell anymore at my children. It's not necessary. Yeah. And I don't need to, like, I don't need to dig my heels in. I can, I can, you know, because I think at some point you become this person who, like, digs their heels in when they can because you feel like you're constantly being forced to yes. look at other things. And I also just, at some point, I was like, you are enough exactly how you are. It's okay. It. And, and you know what? Honestly, Carly, I think the biggest revelation was one day sitting in my doctor's office, my, my um, therapist's office, and she said to me, what does it feel like if I were to tell you, you might be alone for the rest of your life? And I said, better than being how I, I was. And we were already divorced at that point, but like better than being how I was. I, my life is great. I have great friends. I have amazing kids. I have a great family. Life has sucked for the last few years, but I'm recovering and I'm okay with that. Like I, I would rather be alone than ever make myself small again. Um, and you know, I know you're a Glennon fan. Um, but like the whole concept of making ourselves small, yeah. um, and, and being small is one that I really, I buy. I totally yeah. do because I'm a big personality and I made myself smaller and smaller and smaller to fit into this this box of not being too much and it's also point, empowered me in this relationship with my husband yes say like look i no, i'm not i yes. remember we, we got in a fight because i have star tattoos on my butt and his little daughter was talking about it because he thought she thought it was so cute and funny and he's like i don't want her to talk about that because i don't want her mom to know that you have star tattoos on your butt and i said it was right before we were about to get married it, he's never talked like that before, ever. It was about dealing with his ex. And I remember having tears in my eyes, sitting on my couch, staring at him and saying, I'm not if you tell me I can't talk about certain things. Uh-huh. And it was because of that conversation you just talked about, of being held under the table and being told, shh, don't say that. Because yes. I would rather be alone with my starry ass and talk about whatever I want to talk about than be told to be quiet. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
I literally could talk to you forever. I have to read one more thing because I have another interview, but honestly, I, no, go ahead. I I'm miss so you already. Well, we're talkers is the problem. So you put Can two I talkers read this together, to you? it's really hard. Yes, go ahead. Okay, so before we end, I want to read some of my favorite words of yours all the way back four years ago from 2016. And I'm going to link in the episode notes um, you all of your writing because it was so awesome. And I want to, in, before we end, I want to read some of my favorite words of yours from 2016. I am a work in progress. I have started the next chapter, but the book is not yet finished being written. I am a sketch, not a masterpiece. I am still me at my core though. That me, she knows only one truth in this journey. The only way over is through. I love that. Jessica wrote this. I love that her writing is so similar and we find each other in each other's words. And I want to wish the listeners our very best. Thank you. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital. Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. On Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.